Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hey guys, welcome to this week's podcast episode. I'm really excited about today's guest. He's multifaceted and multi-talented. His name is Dick Wybro. He's a full-time author. He's going to talk about all his books, but he's got extensive experience in television and radio and media, which I love talking to entrepreneurs in this space these days with social media. And I'm happy to welcome him to the show. So, Dick, welcome. Right, Dr. Lou, thank you for uh, having me. And I'm excited to be called multifaceted because that could be called talented or somebody who is unable to pick a single career. <laughs> Because <laughs> I've done a lot of different stuff along the way. But no, I'm really excited uh, to be here. Out yeah. from uh, sunny, beautiful Auckland, New Zealand. Yeah. I'm called multifaceted myself because I am involved in different things. And it's hard for me to just focus on one thing because my biggest yeah. fear is what if that goes away? So I'm always having my hand in different things. So, but um, Mine's less about a word about if it goes away and just more about, you know, what's that new shiny object I'm going to chase after. Writing has always been center line for me. I've always done that. Yeah. But, you know, from, like I said, from stand-up to, to radio to TV and all the various script writing in between, it's always been like, ah, ah, it's, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like a cat <laughs> or, yeah. or like a, a, little, a little dog running through a field seeing a bug fly away. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, what, what's interesting is you've got a lot of different superpowers. You call narcolepsy or superpowers. So we'll talk about that. But, you know, kind of set the stage of how you went from um, media, television, radio into full, being a full time author now. Well, I uh, I was born in Canada. Uh, my, my father um, was half Kiwi. He came in the late 60s, United States. And uh, they were like, oh, you can't come in here. We're a world filled up on Kiwis. Go to Canada. They'll take anybody. So he <laughs> went to Canada, met my mother. But he always wanted to be in the United States. And so I spent the first nine, 10 years of my life in Canada. And then, uh, well, like I said, when I was like nine or 10 years old, my father moved us down to the United States. And I was a chubby redhead kid <laughs> going into the New Jersey school system. And I was shy with a Canadian accent. <laughs> And that was baptism by fire, man. That was so I didn't have a whole lot of friends. And I was that sad little kid sitting at the lunch table by himself, uh, you know, and, and these kids would come over every now and then and they would take like my pudding. And so so and then for a chubby little nine year old, the pudding was everything, man. That was my best friend at that time. And so they would come over and they would always start the same way. They'd always start off by saying, hey, what you, what you got for lunch today? And then they'd come in and, the, and I wouldn't say anything. I would clam up and they would go and snatch the best thing, which was always my pudding, and they would go off. And one day 
I just kind of snapped. I, I don't know what it was. I just snapped. And they came over and I went, I went, well, they, they go, they go to me. They say, so what'd you get for lunch today? As they always did. And they go, and I go, well, I've got booger sandwiches and I got eyeball pate. And they just started laughing. They just started laughing. And then one dude kind of puts his hand on my shoulder, walks off. And most importantly, they left my pudding alone. So in that moment, I just I learned so many things. One was about the power shift of humor. You know, if you've got somebody laughing, suddenly now you've you've got a bit of a seat at the table. You're in control, right? And the most important thing I learned for a chubby little nine-year-old was if I was funny, I could keep my pudding. So I had to at that point every day kind of come up with some sort of gross out humor. And I did. I would write lines in like the first couple of my classes and come up with stupid stuff, but I could keep my pudding. Eventually those kids kind of became friends they were a couple years older and they looked out for me but but that i all i learned all of that uh through just the power of humor and 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 that just grew from there my love of stand-up comedy and then my love of writing and that that turned into when i when i turned 19 i tested some of that stuff out and i got a stand-up comedy uh, and I did that for a couple of years. Then, then basically at that point, because there was a time there in the early 90s when you do a stand-up show and it was just this wall of people in there. It was so great. Just just packed in there, right? And it, you felt like uh, Russell Crowe and Gladiator. Are you entertained? You know, it was amazing. Uh, but then uh, stand-up started showing up on television all over the place. Uh, it was on, you know, it was on A&E, it was on USA, it was on all these channels. Fewer and fewer people started coming out, so I got into radio. I did that for about a dozen years. Something similar happened. Uh, radio was starting to get watered down because they changed the laws. And then, you know, suddenly you get people from Dallas. They were now doing afternoon shows in Minneapolis. Somebody in St. Louis is doing six shows around the country. And it really watered the product down. And, it, you know, there were a lot of sort of governors on everything you could say because people got really nervous after that Janet Jackson uh, Super Bowl. So I hopped into TV and I did television for about 20 years and, until I could really get the, the wheels moving on the writing stuff. Now I'm a full time author uh, with a best selling series, which is is my dream. This is I'm living the dream right now. It's fantastic. Yeah, what you're describing is the story of a creative entrepreneur and i love this um you know stand either is speaking it could be musician it could be um comedy anything these are all creative fields so one thing that i'm always curious about is um because creativity people say that you're either creative or not but that's not true so tell people why that and you know what is your creative process i i think creativity i agree with you 100 i think creativity there's a bit of courage or in my case putting defense mode <laughs> but yeah you've got to feel comfortable enough to be creative because that's scary because you know if you were to create something and somebody doesn't like it that's somebody not liking something at your core and that can really sort of take take a shot at you and so it it, it just takes putting it out there and then eventually in uh, i was like i said i was in radio for 12 years and i had people that loved my show and the people that hated me i had death threats <laughs> against me and if, if there's nothing that's going to give you teflon skin real thick skin when it comes to criticism it's a handful of death threats that'll do it for you uh, especially if you don't die that's the best part uh, but for me uh, in creating it's 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 getting through that fear that anxiety of like what if i put this out and somebody doesn't like it and i and i started to think about if do i like this is this something i want to read is this something i would like to hear about and if it was then i kind of got in the mindset of like well then i'm doing it for me 
I'm creating this just for me. And that kind of helps a bit. So if nobody loves it, yeah, that noise does ring out there, but it's something that I want to do. And so when I sit down to create something, I come in with that. It's like, well, how would I want to see this world kind of kick in? And that actually drove a lot of the series I'm uh, with Kane, because when I first started writing it, and I won't go into all of it at this moment, when I first started writing, it, it was this sort of reverse werewolf book. And I was like, yeah, but I want to have what more fun with it. And I tweaked it and tweaked it and tweaked it to turn it into something that I really loved. And then I start writing it and I got lucky. A lot of other people seem to love it too. The other question is, um, because what you're, what you remind me of is kind of when I was listening to Steven Spielberg, when he was first getting into film, it was just like, he's just about the character and he wanted the movies and, you know, it was all about the process, you know, that's where he found this flow. So, and then what I've also realized is I've talked to a lot of entrepreneurs these days, and a lot of them have some, some kind of a superpower, you know, for one person, it's ADHD, another could be bipolar, you know, another could be just, um, you know, ne neurodiversity. So talk about you have narcolepsy, and that's your right. superpower for writing. Yeah, and I, I discovered a lot of people don't exactly know what narcolepsy is. They kind of know what it is. Basically, narcolepsy, and there's a lot of different shades of it, but it just means you're sleepy all the time. 100% of the time, you're just sleepy. There's medicines for it, but none of it's terribly good. You can take some of these sort of methamphetamine salts, but that's like Adderall and Ritalin, stuff like that. That kind of makes you a little bit like a little jittery, and that's no good. Uh, so why... When I first discovered that I had it, I was in my late 20s or so, and I discovered it purely on accident. I wasn't even seeking it out. The person I was married to at the time um, was a bit of a hypochondriac, and I'm not being mean. It's just something that she had within her. And she went in because she was convinced she had narcolepsy. And so she was talking with the doctor and I'm like leaning in the door and, you know, and, and anytime I needed to chip in, she'd turn to me to help me an answer a question, whatever. And the doctor at the end of this turns to her and says, I don't think you have narcolepsy, but I think he might. And I went, what? And sure enough, they tested me. It turned out I had narcolepsy. And so the one good thing at that point was sort of having a name for that demon. That was helpful in a lot of ways. This was a thing that bothered me. I didn't know that I was so much different. This is why you feel the way you do. It's not that you're lazy or depressed all the time. It's you have narcolepsy. And so the first little while when I had it, I was like, oh, why do I have to have this? It's just, you know, I feel like this all the time. But then I started to realize, and you think back to those pudding days, and then every all those days after that, the stand-up comedy, and I was in radio when I got diagnosed, I started to take a look at, I started to realize a lot of my creativity, I believe, came from narcolepsy. It's a little bit like when you're lying down going to sleep, right? And as you're about to fall asleep, you get into that creative zone and you come up with those amazing ideas and you say to yourself, wow, that is really good. I should write that down. And you wake up the next morning and you can't remember it and you didn't write it down. <laughs> well, that zone that you lie down, that little dream sort of state you're in, I'm in that state 80, 85% of my day. I'm in that sort of zony, dreamy state. And I get these ideas that flow in and flow in. And so all it is at that point is I've taken what in, in the beginning I saw as a disorder and a crutch. Uh, I, I've turned around and I see it as something that 
as you say, is a superpower for me. And I've put reins on it and I'm riding it. And I just let, I let it go. I, I just, you know, when, when I get those real sleepy moments, I sit back and think, here come the ideas. Here, here come the strange moments. And it's really worked for me. And so it's just sort of trusting in that and not, and keeping positive as I can about it. Positivity is such, is a, is a superpower in itself. And you know, people like this, you see people around you like, man, that person <laughs> is really positive all the time. And I don't know when you, when you sort of put that positivity out, it does reflect back to you. So I've, like I say, I've, I've embraced as a superpower. I'm really positive about it, and the rewards are coming in. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Yeah, really fascinating because, um, you know, I can tell I can talk to you um, and I can feel your flow. So the other question is, um, you know, what's the best moment you experience when writing a book? And what is your number one goal when you're crafting a story? Is it to just to get into these flow states and kind of just create and write? Or is it, you know, to entertain, kind of describe that for the audience? The best moments for me are when I'm sitting down and I'm just sort of in that zone. And it often sitting down to write is a hard, it's a job. It's hard to do. But once, and there's many times when I sit down to do it, I'm like, you know, oh no, actually I've got to clean, clean the floor. Oh no, no, oh, I've got to fold clothes. Oh, my lawn looks amazing right now because <laughs> I'm right in the middle of finishing a book. Uh, but when I finally do force myself and sit down and do it, after a couple hours, I really do get into a zone. And it's no longer me sort of forcing those words onto the page. They start, it's almost like this reverse flow in a way, right? They start to kind of come into me, even to such a point where I'll laugh because this sort of line will come into my head. It's funny because I have I have readers all the time say, This is so funny. How do you come up with this? Like, I, 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 don't, I don't know. <laughs> that line dropped into my head. And not to name drop, um, but the, one of the people that best described this to me, uh, when I was in radio, I got to interview all these old rock stars. And one of those, Tom Petty. And people would always ask him about creativity. And as he described it, he said, creativity is like these little gifts that come down. You know, I can sit and try and write something, but really they just sort of come down on their own schedule when, when they want to come on down and you just got to be able to recognize those and embrace those. And so that's what it is for me, getting down into that zone, creating an environment to where I am open to those gifts coming down. And they do. And, the, and that's how the best stuff comes out onto the page. And so that's part of my creative process. It's working into that creativity, which almost seems counterintuitive, just that job sitting down at the desk, making myself do the thing I want to do. It's still hard to do, make myself do what I want to do, and then opening myself up to that flow. Yeah. <clears throat> and then the next question is, um, when you're creating this, um, so, you know, a lot of people, they 
either create for themselves um, to help them or others create for others. And so are you, when you do this creative process and at the end of the um, process, let's say, um, how do you deal with criticism? Right. Like somebody doesn't like it or, you know, somebody loves it. How do you deal with that? I, like I said, I have an, I have an advantage because I had death threats. <laughs> so I, I'm not bothered by criticism. And to be honest, I see criticism as just more noise, It's it, but not even negative. Somebody was so engaged in what you wrote, what I put on the page. Somebody was so engaged, they sat down, took the time, pulled their phone out, opened the app, and typed something in. So that's somebody who's actually engaged in the writing. So I take that as a positive, regardless of what they might say. And there's plenty of times somebody might say something in a review of stuff they didn't like. And I've heard this many times. Somebody comes on and goes, oh, actually, I like that thing he didn't like. And then they might end up buying the book, which is which is totally great, which is totally fine with me. But my goal when I sit down and write is selfishly just to entertain myself. I just try and enjoy, you know, the process and I try and enjoy the characters, the interaction. And if I'm kind of laughing, enjoying the ride, it turns out in the end, other people do too. And, you know, and it's also being sort of open when that starts to develop. And I have to remind myself of this. Like when I first sat down to write uh, Kane, and I can't believe this, it was literally just over a year ago, not this past December, the December past. But when I sat down in my little quarter of a garage in New Zealand, it was just me. I was the only fan of Kane there was. But then when that grows, you start to have to be able to share your heart with these other people, you know, because now they're invested. Now they have an emotional investment. And, and now I have an obligation to them to make sure that it's all going to be right. In fact, I had this amazing experience when I was just starting to write book three. Um, and I was sort of struggling with it. And I, I, I had some ideas, but I wasn't exactly sure where I was going to go. And every now and then um, I get readers that reach out to me, these reader groups. And I've spoken to people in Canada, the US, in, in Australia. And this one was in the UK. And so there's a Zoom call like you and I are talking right now. And I sat down and I was talking to this group in the UK and this lovely woman in the UK who'd read the first two books. And all she said to me, and keep in mind that morning I've been struggling about, I'm just, it's missing something. I can't get something. And she goes like, I can't wait to hear more about Kane's childhood. Because what happens in the story real briefly is Kane was a wolf who gets bitten by this infected man and turns into a six foot seven French Canadian. <laughs> and the book is about him trying to discover the secret to get to turn back into a wolf again. But for a year, he spent on this farm in British Columbia with this lovely couple who, who took him in. And basically, it was a wolf raised by humans instead of a human raised by wolves. But they taught him about how to be human. And I allude to this for, through the first two books. And so she said, I, I, would, I really would, I can't wait to find out more about what that year for him was like as he grew from a teenage boy into this full grown man, what that experience was, what these human parents said to him. And I sat back and I came up to the mic, went, that's funny because that's exactly what I'm doing in book three. <laughs> it's so funny you mentioned that particular thing, but she was exactly right. She was, ex that's exactly when that needed to happen. And so it was almost this crazy sort of, I don't know, call it like a collective heart or collective brain. That's some desire that she had. And she was exactly right. That's where the story needed to go and heavily influenced book three. And she's a good friend of mine now, um, especially because she'd been such a part of that. So I, I guess, like I say, part of the creative process comes from within, but it's also about opening yourself out to some of the environment around you, avoiding the negativity. But when you get that positivity take that in you might be able to use it yeah i find the uh reviews are usually somebody takes the time to put a review either positive or negative 
it's either they really loved it or they you know didn't like it because they're gonna but um you know always take it as feedback and like i said um you know i i kind of do this to i'm curious about other people and i want to talk to different people and learn things and get new insights and you know share that so you can use that negativity in a positive way too by the yeah. way and this is something I've, I've talked about to a number of authors um or even not even just authors if you're in in any creative field like i was in television for 20 years and you had i had a lot of haters it's just <laughs> the nature of the industry i had a lot of people especially the higher you rise up and higher you rise up because i became an executive producer i had a lot of people that really were trying to take shots at you even those frenemies you know those people that mm -hmm. smile at you but they're sort of jabbing a knife in your side and yeah. i tell you what when when i would be lying in bed because i worked 10 hour days right before i became a full-time author late last year uh, i'd be lying in bed and i would think about those those haters i had at the office and i would be like oh i've got to start work it's my work day started at 7 30 in television but i would get up at 3 34 o'clock to write and on those days i was lighting lying there going oh i just i'm too tired i don't want to do this I would think about how happy that would make those haters in my life, how <laughs> just the joy that would give them if they heard me go, no, I don't want to do my dream right now. And I would use that to get my butt out of bed. And I feel like, you know, I'm not going to make them happy. I'm going to use their negativity as fuel to get my butt out of bed and in that chair. <laughs> so you so, yeah, you might have detractors, but use use their negativity against them and let that power you. It works. It absolutely works. It got me out of bed dozens and dozens of times <laughs> yeah i love that um so kind of briefly tell the audience about what the book is about how they can find it and how they can find you in your work yeah it's uh as i mentioned kane is it's a fun story um it's called humorous fantasy but i myself i'm not a huge huge monster book reader i've never really read a lot of monster books i read mary shelley's frankenstein back in high school i think so it's not really a monster book basically like i said it's it's about this wolf who gets bitten by this it turns out to be a super soldier in fact a super soldier uh but the bite turns him into a human the next day he turns into the six foot seven french canadian and now he's out there searching for the answers the clues that uh, that he needs to turn back into a wolf because he wants to be a wolf He's seen humans. He's like, yeah, I don't want to do this. <laughs> I prefer to be a wolf running around naked through the forest. This is how I want to go. He could do that as a human, but he'd probably get incarcerated or frostbite in some very unfortunate places up in Canada. So that's what this story is. And he's joined by this uh, young woman named Imelda. And she's uh, a former criminal, maybe not so former criminal, uh, but she gets involved in his quest. And so the story is, and it sounds like, you know, this, you know, this is a, it's a funny book. People tell me it's a funny book, but I don't really classify it as like a fantasy or monster book because basically it's about two people that don't quite fit into the world. But when they come together and they become really good friends through the story, when they come together, these two people, People that don't quite fit in the world find now that they do and and we all know people like that we all know those friends that sort of uh, that other piece that we're missing that fit in there to help us slide through life a little bit better and really it's a story about people that be, uh, who become friends and it's uh it's fun I, and i've had a blast doing it um i'm just finished like i said i'm just finishing up uh book four right now uh you can go to amazon and search my name dick wybro search kane it's there or go to my website and it's really exciting because Podium 
this is cool. Dr. Lou, within a couple of weeks, and this, I never expected this thing to go to bestseller, uh, hit a bestseller list. But within a couple of weeks of being published, um, uh, I had Podium Audio approach me and they said, we want to do your audiobooks. And they did. And so the first one came out here uh, in January. The second one comes out later in February. The next one comes out shortly after that. So if you're an audiobook reader, go check it out. It's a lot of fun. And the narrators or performers uh, that do the book are so fantastic. And I, I was so impressed by the talent they brought into it. And that's another neat thing. I sort of put the talent that I've got into this book, and they lift it up to another level, the talent they bring into it. So it's really exciting. What a fantastic conversation. And for all the audience out there, be sure to check out Dick's works. All of these links will be in the show notes. And you know, be sure to give him a like and follow as well as his book. It's on Amazon. Go check it out. Leave a five-star review. And uh, with that, thanks so much for coming onto the podcast and talking about the creative process. Thank you, Dr. Will. I really enjoyed it.